Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for what you're doing, Lord God. I pray that uh, as we spend this brief time together, that uh, you, you will, it'll be your words that are heard and not mine, Father, Lord. I pray that I will. I will just fade to the background, Lord God. And then, Father, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us, whether they're here live listening to, to, to me speak, Lord God, or they're, or they're listening later on. Um, I pray that you will just speak to them, Lord God, reveal things to them, open their eyes, open their hearts, Father, just to hear a word from you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. Okay. Genesis 46, and I am reading from the New King James Version. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. That's really important. Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones and their wives, and the carts which, which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. So they took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's firstborn. The sons of Reuben were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shal, the son of a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zeron, but Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Puva, Job, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padanaram, with his daughter Dinah. All the persons, his, his sons and his daughters, were 33. The sons of Gad were Ziphion, Haggai, Shuni, Esbon, Uri, Arodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher were Jimna, Ishul, Isu, Bariah, and Surah, their sister. And the sons of Bariah were Heber and Malkiel. These were the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter. And these she bore to Jacob, 16 persons. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, were Joseph and Benjamin. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. The sons of Benjamin were Bala, Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, 
Muppin, Huppin, and Ard. These were the sons of Rachel, who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The son of Dan was Husham. The sons of Naphtali were Jazeel, Guni, Jezer, and Shilam. These were the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and she bore these to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons who went with Jacob to Egypt, who came from his body, besides Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. Verse 28, then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation that you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth, even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Amen. Amen. All right. So again, we have a whole lot to unpack here. Beginning on verse one, it says, Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba. Jacob left nothing behind, made the journey, and they came to the, the, the southernmost you know, point of Canaan on the way to, to Egypt. And he stayed there to honor God with sacrifice. You know, both Abraham in Genesis 22 and Isaac in Genesis 26 lived for a time in Beersheba and, and set up altars in Beersheba. Abraham, if you guys remember, planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Isaac also received a special promise from God and built an altar there in Genesis 26. And it says, God spoke to Jacob in the visions of the night. More than 40 years before, when Jacob was about to leave the promised land, God spoke to him in a dream in Genesis 28. Now he's about to leave the land again. And God again brought assurance to him through a dream. God again was speaking to Jacob, letting him know what was going to happen. And it says in verse 3, do not fear to go down to Egypt. This, this strongly suggests that Israel was afraid to go to Egypt. You know, there was something, maybe he was something in his heart was like, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't feel right about this. You know, he had, he had a certain amount of fear about leaving the promised land and going to Egypt. He may have remembered that Abraham had gone down to Egypt also in a time of famine. And, but when Abraham did that, that was an expression of his unbelief and, and of evil eventually came from it. You know, when, when Abraham and, you know, he told the, the Pharaoh at that time that Sarai, his wife, was actually his sister and all that came from, from that. And he also may have remembered that, that God had told his father Isaac in Genesis 26 not to go to Egypt. You know, so there was, so, so there was a little bit of some, some, you know, a little bit of fear. And Jacob also knew that God had told Abraham in Genesis 15 
It says, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. So Jacob had all this going in his head, like things have happened in the past, things have been spoken. And at this point in his life, Jacob, without a shadow of a doubt, knew who God was. God had been active in his life. God had blessed him. He had sons and daughters and grandchildren. God had blessed him. So if God had spoken about something, right? And now they're about to make a move. Jacob's like, I don't know about this, you know? Because what parent wants to put their child willingly in a position where they're going to be um, slaves to somebody else? that they're going to be held in captive and bondage. We're not going to do that, you know? I mean, sometimes we, we may want to lock our kids up because they're acting crazy, but no one wants to do that. And so Jacob is like, I don't know about this. So, so as Jacob led his family into, into this foreign land, he didn't know what the future held. He didn't know what was going to happen. But at the same time, he knew that their future was in God's hands. He had fear, but he was still moving, right? You know, he had, they had left and he had, they had come to Beersheba. So Jacob was already moving. So despite his, his fears, despite, you know, not knowing what was going to happen, Jacob still moved. Sometimes God is telling you, despite what you see around you, you need to move. You need to get up from where you're at. You need to get up from the position that you're sitting in. You need to move forward. Because I have you, your best interest at heart. Okay, things that may have been spoken over you, you may see the horrible circumstances around you. The, 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 the future that you're seeing is just bleak. But God is saying, it doesn't matter what you see. What I see is blessings that are waiting for you if you just get up and move. And you may go through a horrible time. You may go through a hard season in your life. But in the end, you will be blessed if you just get up and continue to, to seek my face. And that's a message for somebody here. Where you may have a, a hard decision that you need to make, a tough decision, a scary decision. But you need to get up and move. Because let me tell you, if God tells you to do it, doesn't matter what happens, you get up and you do it. You get up and you do it. God doesn't always give us all the answers. More often than not, he gives us zero answers. But at the right time, your eyes will be open and you will see. And you can look at some of the, 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 the people on this call who have been through some life. And they can tell you, we walked and it was dark. It was cloudy. We saw no ray of sunshine. But we followed the Lord. We saw his face continually. And God opened up doors. God made a way where there seemed to be no way. He goes on to say, I will make of you a great nation there. God told Israel what his purpose was in bringing the large family to Egypt. Because, see, because of the nature of Egyptian life, Israel's descendants could grow as a large, distinct nation there. Because Egypt was known for, for uh, let's just say, being racially insensitive to other cultures, right? You know, I mean, you can come into their nation, you can come into their kingdom, whatever, whatever, but they ain't going to be all kinds of intermingling, right? Because that's the, and that was just the nature of, of Egypt, because Egypt, the Egyptians, they felt themselves being very superior 
to any other country, any other nation, any other people. So by going into Egypt, there wasn't going to be all kinds of intermingling between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Now, I'm sure there was the one, you know, the here and there or whatever, but for the most part, this was going to be a place. Unlike Canaan, where the Canaanites, you know, and it says one of, one of the, the children of, of Israel, you know, had kids from a Canaanite woman. So there was intermingling over there. And if Israel at that point in their, in their infancy stage, when it was just 70 people who had come together, right, if they had remained in Canaan, they would have intermingled with the other people of, uh, in, in Canaan, and that bloodline of Israel would have been tarnished. But by going to Egypt, where the, Israel, where the Egyptians were not going to have, have all kinds of intermingling because they were going to look down upon the, the Israelites because they weren't Egyptian. Now the Egyptian people, they could grow. So Egypt was able to help in the, the growing and the, the, the maturing of the children of the nation of Israel, where they would grow from something small into, into a full-size nation over a number of years. It says, I will also surely bring you up again, verse 4. The great the reason uh, Jacob did not need to go from the journey to Egypt was that God promised to bring him back to the promised land. He's like, don't fear. Don't worry about it. You know, you're going here for a season. God is taking you someplace for a season. But he's promising to bring you back, bringing you back to the promised land. Now, for Jacob, this was going to be fulfilled after his death. His descendants would return to the promised land, but, it was, but after his death, but, but that promise would still be fulfilled. There are promises on our lives that God has placed that may not be for you. It may be for your children. It may be for your grandchildren, but God's promises are yes and amen. They will be fulfilled. Egypt would never be the permanent home for Israel and for his children. That would never happen. It says, and Joseph put his hand on his eyes that the final assurance was for God himself to tell Jacob that Joseph lived and will care for him until his dying day. So his sons in, in, in chapter 45 came back and said, Joseph is alive. Now God was reassuring him, Joseph is alive and he will care for you. Come confirming what his sons had already told him. This was a sweet assurance for Jacob, who for all this time had been mourning his son. When his when Joseph's brothers brought his coat of many colors covered in blood to his to his to father Jacob, for how long was Jacob, you know, sad and mourning the fact that in his mind. He believed his son had been brutally killed by some animal, you know? And so now God is assuring, no, Joseph is alive and Joseph will care for you. Verse five, it says, in the cars which Pharaoh had sent him, uh, had carried him um, in Genesis 45, 27, we saw how important these carts were, you know? And so, so his spirit was revived when he saw the impressive wealth and the technology of Egypt. So now, we're, we're going to be able to make this journey. You know, we're going to, we're going to have more than just our, our camels and, and whatever animals that we use to, to carry our stuff. Now we're going to have, you know, carts, you know, this technological marvel that they, they never had before. 
Verse 7, uh, all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. This shows the great faith that Israel had. He brought his entire family to Egypt. No one was left behind to continue a presence in Canaan. He brought everybody. You know, pack up your stuff, guys. Pack your bags, pack your cards, pack your animals. We going. We making this move. We're going to do this thing. So Jacob was all in and, and, and because he had the assurance that this land that had been promised to them that they were going to come back to. Now, verse, verses uh, 8 through 25, you know, gives a list of the family, you know, all the sons and some of the daughters and, and lists all the people of the family, you know. But what's significant is verse 12. It says the sons of Judah. See, the sons of Judah, you know, are very special. You know, and, and we need to take note of it because this is where the messianic lineage comes from. The line of, of, of the descendants that would lead to Jesus. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So it's very significant that he's here from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to Perez to, 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 to Hezron. All this is just the line of the Messiah, right? And Moses, when he wrote this book, you know, he's being very specific and explaining that this line is secure. Verse 27, all the persons of the house of Jacob who went to eat to Egypt were 70. So the total number of this clan of, of people, you know, were 70. There were 66 plus Jacob, Joseph, and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. So this large family would become a nation of more than 2 million, uh, 2 million uh, individuals over the next 400 years. Verse 27, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into it. I don't, it doesn't, I don't care where we're at, we're going to get back into it. All right. So again, all the, all the people in the house were 70 in, the, in this clan, you know, and, and uh, so many great works of God take time, okay? Take time. It took 25 years for the promise of Isaac to Abraham, all right? It took 25 years. It took another 60 years before Jacob and Esau were born to Isaac. It took another 50 or 60 years before um, Jacob added his sons and his daughter to the family. And, but then in the next 430 years, uh, Israel, it says when Israel left Egypt, and we'll read about this when we get into the book of Exodus, there were 600,000 men, right? Not even including the women and the children and everything, everything like that. So it took the family 215 years to grow from one to 70, from Abraham to his, to his 70 descendants, but it's going to take another 430 years to grow to 2 million people. And this could only happen by going into Egypt, right? And we have the, the gift of hindsight. We have the gift of having the books of the Bible to know exactly what's going to happen. Right. And but the but Israel and his sons had no idea what the future was going to hold, but God did. God made a way. Verse 28, he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way. So it was fitting again for Judah of the messianic line, the line that would eventually that, G, that, that Jesus would eventually come from to do this. He demonstrated because Judah demonstrated a true spirit of repentance and change. Among all the brothers, Judah was the first one to, to show remorse 
Judah was the one, even before they put him in the pit, was kind of like, hey, guys, maybe we shouldn't kill my, kill, kill little bro. You know, let's, let's do something different. So verse 30, Jacob says, now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. The reunion of Israel and Joseph was more than he ever dreamed. I'm sure, you know, Jacob, Israel, over the years had, had you know, had those thoughts, had those dreams. What if? What if one day I can see my son again? What if? How's that going to be? How's that reunion going to be? You know, and here we, here it is. He has his reunion with his son, Joseph. And now he says, now I can die. Now I can rest. He had heard the news that his favorite son, Joseph, was alive. But now it was fulfilled. Now it was real. You know, this was a dramatic change from when we read about him in Genesis 42, 36, when he said, all these things are against me, when he was at his low, low point. Now he says, it's all good. Now, now I can rest. Joseph says, I will go up to and tell Pharaoh. Verse 31, Joseph became the representative and the advocate for the whole family. They had come safely to Egypt, but they still needed Joseph to represent them. In the same pattern, the believer, us, we need Jesus Christ to represent us. Jesus Christ represents each and every one of us, everyone on this call, everyone who's going to listen to this later on. Jesus Christ is our representative. Now, according to, to Exodus 1, the first they forgot about Joseph, and we're going to read about how they're going to make the children of Israel slaves. This shows what would happen in theory if we had no representative or we had no advocate before God. We would be slaves, slaves to our sin, slave to the world, slave to everything around us. But Jesus, Jesus, not Mary, not the saints, no one else can be our eternal representative and advocate, only Jesus. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is our eternal advocate before the Father, just as Joseph was the advocate for his family. And because Joseph was there to advocate for his family, the Pharaoh gave them the land. I said, go to this land, use this part of Egypt. For your whole family. So Jesus does the same thing for us. He goes before the Father and advocates because we, as sinners, cannot advocate ourselves before the Father, only through Jesus Christ. Because it's through Jesus Christ advocating for us that when He when God looks to us, He sees His Son. And Joseph was that representative here. And he says, Go to the land of Goshen, verse 34. God had a place for his people. You know, he didn't bring them to Egypt so they wouldn't have a home. It wasn't enough for Joseph to provide for their needs in Canaan. He had to bring them to a place he had prepared for them. God had prepared this place already. So we see, again, we see Jesus here. Jesus takes care of us in our present. But Jesus has also gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. Because one day, 
our belief is that we will be in glory. We will be in heaven. And Jesus has gone before us to prepare a place for us and, 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 and preparation so that he can receive us to himself. It goes on to say, every shepherd is an abomination to unclean animals. You know, so the Egyptians, they, obviously they did have their livestock and their own animals and stuff, and, but they're primarily an agricultural nation, right? They grew crops, you know, but they looked at, um, they considered sheep unclean. Therefore, they considered, considered shepherds unclean. So that was another way. Because Joseph says, when the Pharaoh asks you what you do, we're shepherds. Okay, if y'all shepherds, y'all stay over there. That was another way to, while Israel and his children were going to be in Egypt, they were still going to be separated from the Egyptians, right? God prepared a way, you know, go to the land of Goshen in Egypt and stay over there and, and do what you got to do over there. God had a place for his people, but it was a different place. So he took him to Egypt, but you ain't going to be right in the middle of, of, of the Egyptians. You're not going to be right in the cities. You know, you're going to be cared for, but you're going to be over here, you know? So it was a different place. And sometimes God takes us there. Sometimes God takes us to a despised place, a place where people are going to look down on us. People are going to talk bad about us. You may be in a job that you absolutely detest, right? And you're looking for a way out, you know, because of the people you're in, the environment you're in. You're in a despised place. People, people may look at you because you, can, you profess to be a Christian, that you are less than because you believe in this ancient book that you know, was written by man and, you know, God's not real. How could you believe in the fairy tales? People will look down again at the despised place, but brothers and sisters, we have the assurance that we stand on the truth of God's word. We are rooted in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. You may be in a horrible situation, but if you remain rooted in Jesus, right? You, if you remain, remain rooted in the word of God, I'm telling you, Jesus will bring you through your situation. Doesn't matter where you find yourself in. I cannot, I cannot express that enough. Doesn't matter where you find yourself in, what your circumstances are. God is there. God is real. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the ending of your story. He knows what it's going to take to get there. It's time for us to get out the way. Stop making our own decisions and relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us. Right? It said the word says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say, Yea, though I, I chill out at the valley of the shadow of death. No, I go through because why? Because you are with me. Jesus is with you. He's got you by the hand. He's going to walk you through whatever situation or circumstance you're finding yourselves in. The children of Israel, we're going to continue to read when, you know, in Exodus, how they were made slaves. For 430 years, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. That's a pretty dark place. That's a pretty dark place to find yourselves in. 
especially when you're in the middle of it and you're like, but didn't God promise? Didn't God say? Didn't God give assurances? Yes. And he's still faithful no matter what. And he still got them through that. And he's going to get you through whatever circumstances you find yourself in today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray before my internet connection goes completely out. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, Lord God. Thank you for this promise that we, we read about in, Gen in Genesis 46, Lord God. Father, we can look at your word and see it as stories, Father, as, as myths, as tales, as, as whatever it is, Father. But we know, we know that these events actually happened, Father. And your hand was at work in your children, just like your hand is at work right now in our lives. So thank you, Father, for so to, to bring back, bring that to remembrance. Father, you are real, you are true, you are the same. So, Father, we thank you for that, Lord God. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters as we go about our day, Father. Bring to remembrance your word, Lord God. Stir in their hearts something more, some new truth, some, 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 something new, Father, that they can take away from this, Father, so that they can share to the people that are around them, Lord God. Father, we will continue to praise you for what you're doing. We love you. We love you. We love you. In your holy and precious name. Amen and amen.